everybody. You're listening to Brad's Cactus Shack, episode 13. This is the show where I do whatever the hell I want, including taking calls on a payphone and talking about the weird shit that I did with my TRS-80 color computer 2 in the 80s. And I interview residents of Salina, Ohio, and I play clips and stuff from my hard drive that I find that have just been sitting there for years now. Have I done four payphone shows now? I'm looking at the list of Brad's Cactus Shack. And there seems to be an extra payphone show in there that I think I forgot about. There's episode four, An Intimate Evening on the Payphone. I remember that being the first one. That was right around Christmas. It was in December. And I also remember the Couch Gang payphone episode, episode 12 of Brad's Cactus Shack. That was in March of 2018. But then there's one in between, too. January 29th, 2018. Episode 6. What the hell happened on that show? I don't remember. It's probably because of all my drug and alcohol abuse over the years. No, I'm kidding about that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I hope this doesn't turn into a really long show, but I kind of suspect it will. So if this ends up being a two-hour show, I apologize. But I've got about 80 pages of material here that we need to read over. More than 80, really, because I've, yeah, I've got this other thing, too. Man, I'm really curious. What was that middle episode about? Dial a payphone back in January. Let's click on that real quick. And just skim through it quickly. Well, well, set the rocking chair. Okay, I do remember putting that song into a show. So we're doing good so far. Let's let's go ahead a little bit. Should, should I move? I think Squarespace looks like a hobo made it in 1992. Which one? Snowplow show. All right, let's go uh, 30 minutes into it. I learn something new every time I do this, every time I pick up calls. Private caller. Oh, this is right after Christmas. This wasn't January. Why did I think it was January? Hello. Wait, one of them's labeled January. Hello. The other one is labeled December 28th. Hey, Olga. Hey, Olga. And Olga calls hey. in. What's the joke of the night? Man, oh, what the, the joke hell? Of the night is this. Um, what did the payphone say when the quarter got let's, stuck? Let's hear Olga's joke. I don't know. What did the payphone say when the quarter got stuck inside of it? Hold on. Don't answer yet. Wait. Crap. Oh, okay, go ahead. Money's tight these days. Wow. Ah ha ha. Oh shit. I tried to do a rim shot, but it's really. All right. An hour into the show. Story of my life. Yeah, I, I don't know. Apparently, I did three payphone shows. I mean, I've done four now. All right, so let's get started on this. I, I'm wasting time already. This is going to be a long show. Uh, back in, let's see, when was it? February 27th, 2018, I did a secret episode of Brad's Cactus Shack. And I haven't released that one to the public yet. I guess I should go ahead and put it up, right? At this point. But that episode was called Brad's Cactus Shack Episode 10B. It was the one right after Small Talk in Salina, Ohio, and it was titled Addiction Counseling. And it was about how I suddenly found myself put into an addiction counseling class. I recorded it immediately after my very first drug and alcohol addiction counseling class because I was very confused. I meant to do more episodes of it, more secret episodes, but I never got around to it. I have spent the last six months in drug and alcohol, like two different classes, for a while, I was doing four hours of classes every week. And this has to do with my current legal situation, of course. 
I think the thing is that they just don't know what to do with me. So they're like, oh, let's just throw him into this drug and alcohol addiction counseling class thing. That'll take care of it. But really, I found out what the reason for me being in the class was probably, uh, I don't know, four months into the class. They finally decided to tell me the reason I was put into a drug and alcohol class. I mean, so, okay, so I had federal charges against me. And one of the conditions is that I'm not allowed to use illegal drugs, including marijuana, because it's federal crime. So when I first met up with my probation officer, he had me do a P-test, and he was supposed to give me more P-tests, but I don't know if he forgot. I, I don't know. I didn't have any P-tests for like four months. And then all of a sudden, he, he stops by and he says, hey, Brad, I need you to sign these papers. And I signed these papers, and the paper said I had to dial this phone number every single day. But I call this toll-free number. It says, hey, you've reached the toll-free drug number thing. Enter in your code. So you know if you have to go and take a P-test to find out if you're on drugs. And he told me I needed to call it every single day, but I, you know, occasionally I would forget. I didn't think it was that important. I figured if I needed to take a drug test, I could just take it the next day, right? Not a big deal. I don't understand how drug tests work. I know you can cheat them and everything, but I guess when they tell you you need to take a drug test, you need to go and take a drug test that day. So I missed a day calling this toll-free number. And because of that, I was thrown into these classes. Or actually, I was, um, I mean, they, they sent me to the, the place. I had to take the drug test there. And they had me do this hour and a half long assessment thing where this counselor would talk to me, ask me a bunch of questions about my past drug use, and decide whether or not I should be in that class. And I found out later that she wasn't really deciding. I think I was, I just had to be in there. I was being punished for being absent-minded and forgetting to call that, that toll-free number one day. So they were going to put me in the class whether I answered the questions correctly or not, you know, past the assessment test. There's more details about this in episode 10B. And if you want to hear that, it's only on the Patreon right now. I'm sure I'll put it up for everyone else eventually someday. Maybe today, I don't know. But if you want to hear that, it's on patreon.com slash phone losers. Anyway, I answer all the questions and she, at the end of the thing, she's like, okay, I'm going to sentence you to 12 weeks in this drug and addiction counseling program. It's like a group setting. There's, I don't know, maybe 20 people in the class. We're sitting in a big circle of chairs and we're sharing our stories of what we're doing there. By the way, I've never used real drugs before. I smoked marijuana uh, you know, quite a bit in 2016 and 2017, quite a bit. But, you know, I quit immediately after I got in trouble. I, I mean, after I got sentenced for what I got in trouble for, I stopped smoking marijuana. It's not a problem. No big deal. I can't smoke for five years. Who cares? I needed to quit anyway. It was affecting, you know, how much shit I could get done every day. My show output has really improved since I quit, in case you guys haven't noticed. So 12 weeks in that program, a month into it, I get this angry phone call from this other counselor that I've never heard of before. And he's like, what the hell? Why have you never been in my class before? You're supposed to be coming to my classes. You've been absent the past three weeks or something. And I soon found out that my current counselor forgot to tell me that I have another class I have to take every single week. I was doing Tuesdays before. Now I have to do Wednesdays too. So two hours on Tuesday for my 12-week class and two hours on Wednesday for my new class. The Tuesday class was a drug and alcohol counseling class. The Wednesday class was my moral reconation therapy. Am I saying that word right? Reconation? Reconation? I don't know. It's a class for people who have spent time in prison and they need help overcoming their drug addictions 
and integrating themselves back into society. I've never been in prison, you guys, but I get to take not only a class on drug and alcohol addiction, but I also get to take this class to adjust me to life on the outside of the prison system. Makes sense, right? So we'll get into all that later. I'm, I'm really, I feel like I'm, I'm this is going to go on forever. This is going to be like a three-hour show, you guys, probably. I get through the classes, okay? I get through the classes. I do my 12 weeks. It's finally over. Yay. Then I have to finish up the MRT class, Moral Recognition Therapy. And I go kind of slow at that one. Like, I could have graduated probably in half the time that it took me, but I took my time at it. I didn't have anything better to do, so I was lazy about doing my homework. I had homework in that class, and we had a workbook I had to give presentations and do assignments, tons of paperwork. I had to do volunteer work, 20 hours of volunteer work. And six months later, I graduated from that class, six months after I first started the first class. So earlier this week, I think it was on Monday, right? I did a show called the Six Months of Sobriety Celebration Show. It was one of those payphone shows where I sit in the big recliner chair and I take calls on the payphone. And we talk about substance abuse and addiction stuff and whatever. I don't know. I was drinking a bunch of wine. I forget what all happened in that show, but it was a lot of fun. It lasted a couple hours, I think. You can listen to that over at phonelosers.com. I called that one of the Phone Loser call-in shows. Like, you know, like the ones where I have the guests on and I sort of interview them. I'm no longer going to call those the Brad's Cactus Shack shows. And I know that's confusing. I'm sorry. The first three are Brad's Cactus Shack shows. But from now on, they are going to be the PLA call-in show. I'm going to do several different styles of the PLA call-in show. And taking calls on a payphone is one of them. I explained that in the post about it. So I figured that would be the end of all of this craziness. That would be my sequel to episode 10B of Brad's Cactus Shack. But no, we're going to do one more of these. And you can blame Liz Darwin for this because I was talking to Liz Darwin from the very beginning about all this craziness. And she was one of the few people that I let hear episode 10B way back when I first released it. Or I didn't even release it. I just kind of made it and didn't put it up anywhere. But Liz was trying to help me figure out why I was in there. And she said, you know what you should do? When you're finished with those classes, it's all over, and you've graduated and everything, you should ask for all of your paperwork. Because she was theorizing that I was in there for prank call addiction. And I was kind of wondering about that, too. Because they did bring up my charges... And that was on the paperwork that, you know, what I had been arrested for, unauthorized entry and making prank calls and stuff like that. So, yeah, maybe I'm in there for prank call addiction. It's like the place I went to, it's a drug and alcohol addiction place. But they also do addiction stuff for people with gambling addictions. So it's not a big stretch to think that they'll just do any addiction. And the moral reckoness... Oh, God, I have to look at the front of the workbook again. I should look up online how to pronounce this. Reconation therapy. You know, morals. Maybe they're trying to tell me, you know, it's not moral to be making prank calls. Why don't you cut it out, Brad? Why don't you go through this class and see if you still feel like making prank calls after this class is over? We'll help you see the light. So her suggestion of getting my paperwork is the reason I am doing this episode tonight. I have in my hands uh, approximately 80 pages of all of the paperwork that they generated regarding me in that class. When I had my discharge meeting, uh, I think it was earlier this week. Yeah, it would have been on Monday because Monday is the day that I did the six months of sobriety show. It had been six months and one week since I went into the class. And I had my discharge meeting with my primary counselor. She gave me the paperwork and a, a stupid certificate to show that I had graduated the class, both of the classes, I was completely cured of my drug and alcohol addiction problems. 
they did a great job there. And as we were sitting in there and she was asking me all of these questions about my drug use and are you having any dreams about drug use? I'm not allowed to have dreams about drug use because they'll write that in the computer and that could count against me probably. I'm going to get penalized for my dreams. We covered a lot of this on the Payphone Show. If you haven't heard the Payphone Show, otherwise known as the PLA Show, Episode 10, Six Months of Sobriety Celebration, which is over there at phonelosers.com. You should go listen to that. Quite a bit of it is covered in that show because I went over my workbook a little bit and I went over my paperwork and Clay called me and we talked about things that had gone on in the class. I had to edit some stuff out because uh, I was being a little bit too talkative there near the end. But on Monday, I'm going through my discharge meeting. She's asking me the, all the standard questions, typing them into the computer. And I think I just talked to Liz earlier in the day, or maybe I talked to her after the meeting. I can't remember. And I remembered what Liz told me, that I should get all of my records. And while she was typing, I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, I'd like to get all of my records. My counselor keeps typing, and a minute later, she's like, all of your records? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, just all the paperwork on me, all of it. She says, so you mean the, the stuff that you've signed? Because, you know, they give me paperwork whenever I have my meetings and stuff there. They'll print out something that has my signature on it. It'll just kind of go over, uh, you know, my goals for the week or whatever, goals for the month, goals till the next meeting. I don't know. But I said, yeah, I'd like that stuff. But I'd also like all these notes you've been typing about me, all that stuff you're typing in the computer. I want to see that. And she didn't answer, just kept typing. And a few minutes later, she's, she asks, are, are you serious? You, you want everything? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love to see everything you've been typing about me. I don't remember exactly how I asked it. And she asked, why, why would you want to see all that? And I'm like, I don't know. It just, just seems like it'd probably be interesting to read. She said that nobody ever asks for that. She's never been asked for that before. Well, I, I definitely would love to see that stuff. If, if you don't mind, print it all out. Her entire demeanor changed, by the way, after I asked for that. Like, like she has never been the same since. She said she would have to ask one of the higher-ups, and as we left the meeting, she did go into his office and ask the higher-up, and I heard him say that I would have to come back later, and she said, why don't you come back on Friday, and uh, we'll give you all that paperwork. And I said, okay. We said our goodbyes, and I've been anxiously awaiting all week to see if I actually get all of my paperwork. And I went in there today, and I tell the girl at the front desk, I'm here to pick up some papers, and she's thoroughly confused. I explain that my primary counselor said she'd have some paperwork for me today. It should be ready. I'm here to pick it up. So she goes to her office to talk to her. She's gone for three or four minutes, and I can hear them talking down the hall. I'm sitting in the waiting area, playing on my phone, looking at Twitter, and then I hear the printer fire up and start printing out papers. You know, the printer is in the waiting area. I hear the pages dropping, and I'm, I'm counting all the pages dropping. I think I get to about 20 pages when Front Desk Girl finally comes back up. And she mostly hands me the group notes, which I, I didn't even... I didn't ask for the group notes. I didn't even think about that. I can get the group notes, like all of the notes from my group sessions with all these other people. I mean, it's just the notes about me. It's not the notes about everyone else. But she gives me this big stack of papers, and she's like, you just want the group notes, right? I'm like, oh, no, no, actually, I would like all of the notes that my primary counselor has been typing about me while I'm in there answering questions for her. I would love to see that stuff. And she says, oh, she said you probably didn't want that stuff, which is not true because she was she, she seemed very taken aback that I asked for it last Monday and asked why I wanted it and had to get special permission to get that stuff. So, yes, she knew I wanted that stuff. I made it very clear earlier this week, but she tried not to give it to me. So she leaves the room again. She goes down the hall, talks to the primary counselor, and the printer fires up again and starts printing out more pages. And I'm thumbing through the stuff I've gotten already, and it's fucking great. Like in the group sessions, we had to tell our highs and our lows of the week. 
Hi, is as in, you know, what made me happy this week? What made me sad this week? How's your week been going? Have you been using any drugs or anything? Stuff like that. And I'm just like thumbing through all this stuff. I'm like, holy shit, they actually gave me more than I thought I could get. This is great. And they both come back up and they're printing like all of the notes from our one-on-one sessions. And the primary counselor asks once again, what do you want all this stuff for? I'm like, oh, you know, I'd like to know why I've been here for the past six months maybe get a little perspective on things it looks like really good reading here you know i'm kidding around while i say this i'm saying it in a joking manner but i'm serious like why have i been in drug and alcohol counseling for six months why this is going to be great reading i have not read all this stuff yet you guys i have got 80 pages here of notes about me this is going to be the best brad's cactus shack ever so i get all of that stuff and I asked for something else. I'm like, well, does this include everything? And they said, yeah. And I'm like, well, what about my assessment? And I can't remember if my assessment was included or not. I know they had to go back and print something else. So there was a third thing of printing. They didn't want to give me this stuff. They thought it was very weird. I feel like I may have made them uncomfortable. I feel bad about that. I'm very sorry, you two, if you're listening, but I just wanted to see my notes. I want to see why I'm in there, what they think about me, and all that stuff. I did some reading online. I felt like maybe I was probably entitled to see this stuff because they're my records, and I tried not to get my hopes up. I thought I was going to go in there today. They were just going to give me the stuff that I signed, like the standard stuff that they usually get me, like one or two pages with my signature on the bottom. And that would be it. And they'd be like, sorry, we're not going to give you anything else. We don't want to. So anyway, I have all of the group notes. I have all of the one-on-one meeting notes. I have my assessment notes. I wonder if I got my discharge notes. I don't know. I'm going to have to. There's just so much to go through here. I really, I've skimmed through it. I quickly counted all the pages to find out how many sheets of paper were here. And I came up with, I think, 77. So almost 80. I'm thumbing through the papers the whole time I'm talking to them up there. And after they gave me everything, I'm like, okay, so what's missing? What have I not gotten yet? And they assured me that I'd gotten everything. I'm like, oh, what about those papers over there that you set on top of the printer to front desk girl? Because I saw her pull some papers off the top and set those aside. And she went over and looked and she's like, oh, these are for another patient of ours. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I really wasn't trying to be a dick. I just wanted to make sure I got everything. I probably didn't get everything. I bet you there's like one thing that I didn't get. Maybe a couple things. It's so hard to tell because there's so much paperwork here. I wish I'd taken notes over the past six months, you know, to remember when all of my meetings were and, you know, all the different things that happened. So I leave with my paperwork. We say our friendly goodbyes. My primary counselor still doesn't seem like she likes me anymore. She's usually really friendly and cheerful and stuff. But now her whole demeanor is just kind of confusion. Like, what are you doing with this shit? And it really wasn't, you know, solely about making this episode of Brad's Cactus Shack. I just wanted to see these papers for myself. But we're going to look at them together. Me and you, the listeners. Because this might be interesting, right? I mean, it's Brad's Cactus Shack. You want to know about Brad? This is possibly the most Brad episode ever. Well, you know, maybe not as much as that one weird episode from the 80s about the TRS-80 Color Computer 2. That one was pretty much Brad-centric. By the way, I found some more sound clips recently that I don't think I've played before on this show. So that's probably going to happen soon. I've got them all, um, you know, put in a directory. I need to shut up. You know, I haven't even started looking at these papers and I am over 30 minutes into the show already. I'm sure it's going to be shorter by the time I edit it, but we're going to start out with my assessment meeting. It is eight pages long, front and back, so this is actually more than 80 pages long because this one is printed out on the front and the back, and I'm going to leave out stuff, um, you know, because, like, I've, I've been I've been talking about, like, just, just family life and personal shit 
you know, you just pretty much have to pour your heart out to these people so they'll let you graduate, being forced to just share everything with strangers. And, you know, that's weird for me. It's not like I do a podcast or anything. But let's get started. This is my assessment papers. Um, Man, you know, this one's probably going to be boring. What I really want to get to is the group stuff. So I'm probably just going to skim over this stuff. Uh, But yeah, uh, Brad reported that he first drank alcohol when he was 16 years old with friends in the amount of one to two wine coolers. Brad reported that between the ages of 16 to 37, he would drink every few years in the amount of one to two beers. That's an estimation. Brad shared in 2009, he increased his drinking to once a month in the amount of three to four beers with friends. So you guys, like I'm telling you, I've this is all pretty much true. I've never drank that much. I drank with friends when I was a teenager, just you know, peer pressure. But I never really wanted to. Like, um, you know, they like they would leave the room and I would pour my beer out into a sink or whatever. And like, yep, yep, I drank all this beer. I sure am drunk. Get me another one of those things. I'd take my beer into the bathroom and pour half of it in the toilet. But in 2009, I started the phone show and. I started drinking a little bit more after that. Uh, Also in 2009, I started doing uh, karaoke with friends. And, you know, that requires drinking. Brad shared in 2012 that he quit hanging out with his drinking friends and decreased his use to one to two beers on special occasions. 2012, the year that the phone show ended. See, the phone show was bad for my health. It made me drink a lot. Brad reported that he experienced hangovers during 2009 to 2012 when he would occasionally drink one four loco and one to three beers. Brad shared that he had experienced vomiting the night of drinking after mixing beer and whiskey around 2012. Yeah, you know, the two, two times I've tried whiskey in the past, I've puked. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, but it was also after a night of drinking a lot of beer and someone's like, hey, you want to try a whiskey? Both times were at somebody's house. I don't drink hard alcohol, you guys. I, I just never have been into it. So maybe whiskey's just not my thing. Brad shared that he's never driven under the influence of alcohol. Brad reported his date of last use as February 7th, 2018, in the amount of one beer. So when I was sentenced to these classes, I, you know, like I, I, I eat dinner and I have a beer with my dinner, like a can of beer, a 16 ounce beer. I buy a six pack of beer. It sits in the fridge and it lasts about a month. So, of course, I need to be in a drug and alcohol addiction class. Oh, so that was a substance abuse entry number one for alcohol. The second substance abuse entry is marijuana, hash, or any cannabis or cannabinoid preparation. Frequency, no use in the past month. Last use date, November of 2017. I was pretty much just honest with her, and I (laughs) figured, yeah, they're they're not going to put me in a drug and alcohol class because I drank and went to karaoke back in 2012 and I don't really drink anymore. I gave up Pepsi like a couple years ago and instead of Pepsi, I drink beers with my dinner or I drink a beer with my dinner. Every once in a while, a couple beers, but usually just a single beer. Anyway, Brad shared that he first smoked cannabis at age 19 with his girlfriend's dad in the amount of one to two hits off of a joint. That's true. The girlfriend was Sylvia, the one that I robbed a 7-Eleven with. Brad shared that he did not smoke cannabis again until he was 21 years old. Oh, yeah, that's the thing about beer. Like, I I pretty much didn't drink at all in my 20s. Every once in a while, somebody would offer me beer, and I'd be like, sure, yeah, here, let me drink a beer. And I would have friends that would drag me to bars and stuff. They just wanted to hang out with me and hang out in bars. And I would go to bars with them, and I would order a Pepsi or a water. I'd really piss them off because you're at a bar, damn it, be a man. So I pretty much didn't drink at all until I was about 36 years old. 
Same with marijuana. I think uh, marijuana is more like 37. I always had friends in high school and stuff, in junior high even. Um, I had friends that would smoke weed and drink alcohol, and they would offer it to me. I'm like, nah, it's okay. Not interested. Thanks anyway. You have it. I'm sure I got plenty of uh, contact high because I hung out in basements where a bunch of people were smoking, and the air got pretty thick with smoke. But no, I didn't actually smoke marijuana until I was 19. I was just trying to be polite because my girlfriend's dad wanted me to smoke some marijuana with him. So I had a few hits. I didn't smoke again until I was 21 years old. I should just be reading this. Uh, Reported smoking one time when he was 21. Brad shared that he did not smoke again until around 2004 when he shared a joint with his girlfriend. 2004. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Forgot about that one. She didn't smoke either, but she wanted to uh, give it a try. And we were like trying to figure out how to roll a joint together. We were really bad at it. I don't know. I can't remember how that went. But that was the end of it for me until 2010, this says, when he began smoking once a month in the amount of one-fourth of a joint. I would roll these really tiny joints and smoke them and go out for walks and bike rides and stuff. It was a lot of fun. Brad quit smoking again around 2011 after breaking up with his girlfriend of the time. And he has smoked on sporadic occasions and would sometimes drive up to Washington to acquire one gram of cannabis before it was legal in Oregon. Brad reported that he would drive back to purchase... You know what? Do we really want to read all this? Like, this is going to take forever. I don't want to read all this. Um, Let me just skim over things. Overview. Bradley. Brad is a 45-year-old Caucasian male presenting to the agency through referral, federal parole, and probation, accessing private databases from Albertson's company stores and prank phone calling customers and acting on behalf of the store's managers. Brad reported that he was not under the influence of any substance during any prank calls or when he was accessing the private information. And that's true because these are daytime shows. You know, I don't drink in the daytime. I'm not a Matt Hillock. And I would rarely smoke weed before I did shows because when I did, my, my shows just sucked. I was stupid. I couldn't think of anything to say. It made my prank calls boring. Brad stated the impacts of his use included personal health as he quit attending the gym due to smoking cannabis and reported decreased productivity as he would reported he would not get anything done when he was under the influence of cannabis. Durr, of course you don't. Brad appeared to not require any withdrawal management services as evidenced by his reported date of last use as 2-7 of 18. Brad should continue to be evaluated as he may experience... P-A-W-S. What the fuck is P-A-W-S? Post-alcohol something. Okay, I'm going to Google this. I'm going to type in alcohol pause. Post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Okay, all right. I'll I'll buy that. Post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Why not? You never know. It could happen. Detailed health habits. Brad reported that he recently decreased his sugar intake and started drinking Diet Pepsi. Yeah, that's important to the program. Cigarette smoking. Brad reported smoking some in his 20s and reports no current use. I'm pretty sure I told her that I smoked when I was a teenager. And I smoked in in grade school a few times because, you know, it was the the 80s. What else are we going to do back then? We're going to smoke cigarettes. Notable mental status. Brad's mental status appeared stable with no noted issues or concerns. Brad appeared oriented times three and was somewhat open and engaged during assessment. Brad answered his questions with minimal detail and often asked questions to be explained prior to answering. During the assessment, Brad was leaned back with his arms crossed. Brad shared he was raised by his adoptive parents in Illinois and was given up for adoption after one month, I think, in quotes. 
Brad shared he grew up not knowing his biological family and reported he met them for the first time in 2000. I met them at DEFCON, you guys. They showed up at DEFCON. Both of my biological parents. I met my biological parents at a hacker convention. Brad found out that he has four brothers, one sister. There's a bunch of personal stuff in here I'm not going to share with you guys. I know what you guys are like. But we're on page six of eight right now. This is going to take forever. Are you guys really going to listen to this? Because there's some funny stuff in the group notes. That, that's the main reason I want to do this show. Maybe I'm going to edit a lot of this stuff out because it's not interesting. Brad shared he has no cultural influences or spiritual interest. When asked about how he felt being in treatment, Brad stated, I'd prefer not to be in treatment. I don't feel like I need it. I've never had any issues before that I can think of that would that I would need to be in treatment for. Brad reported that he's enjoyed not smoking cannabis since November and plans to remain abstinence from the substance. Brad stated he could quit drinking alcohol if he needs to. However, he enjoys the variety of flavor during dinner. And what I mean by that is that I stopped drinking Pepsi during dinner because it was affecting my sleep. I sleep pretty good now these days, you guys, since I, I've stopped drinking, um, you know, just regular Pepsi. It's weird. So mostly what I drink for dinner is water. I just have water and nothing else because I'm trying to give up sugar. And, you know, what else are you going to drink that doesn't have sugar in it? And I know beer has sugar in it, whatever. But it's not as sugary as Pepsi. Brad appears to be in the contemplation stage of change as evidenced by the previous statement about how I could quit drinking alcohol. However, I enjoy the variety of flavor. The individual acknowledges concerns and is considering the possibility of change, but is ambient and uncertain. Did I acknowledge concerns? I mean, I, I, was, I said I, I wasn't very productive when I smoked weed, but I don't smoke weed anymore. I stopped smoking weed back in November of last year. I'm not allowed to anymore. Detail relapse or continued problem influences. Brad stated that his triggers include social situations and having one beer with dinner. That's my trigger. Having one beer with dinner. How is that a trigger? Having a beer is a trigger? That doesn't make sense. Brad stated that he's currently working as a podcaster. Brad shared that he used to be a private investigator. No, I didn't. I said I worked for private investigators. But yeah, that's easier to write it that way. I understand. He has recently tapered off of that. Legal history. Theft charge in 1993. The subject of a previous Brad's Cactus Shack. Disorderly conduct in 1993. Harassment via telephone misdemeanor credit card abuse in 1995 fraud and related activity in connection with computers 2017 that's the safeway stuff brad appears to be self-sufficient as he has reported stable living in the same apartment for seven years there's not currently any drugs or alcohol in his home stable employment brad reported his triggers include social situations and stated he identifies no other triggers so by triggers you know what makes me want to drink and I guess that would be hanging out with friends who are drinking and having a drink with them, which I don't see the problem there. Man, on the recording, it says I've been recording for one hour. This this sucks. You guys aren't going to listen to this. Uh, the next paper. So these, like, I, I, they're sort of in chronological order, but not really because they kept trying to not give me some of the paperwork. I'm like, well, what about this? And they go back there and they print some more stuff for me. What about this? Go print some more. But yeah, this one is chronological because this is way back in February of 2018. This is a four-page document, and I'm having a hard time understanding. Oh, here it is. All right, so on page two, uh, Brad appeared not to require any withdrawal management services as evidenced by his reported date of last use of 2718. Brad should continue to be evaluated as he may experience pause, P-A-W-S. Brad's mental status appeared to be stable with no noted issues or concerns. Brad appeared oriented times three 
what the fuck is times three? Yeah, I don't know. Um, someone open and engage. This is just like a, a rundown of what we already read, so I'm not going to read all this stuff again. Oh, here we go. Diagnosis. Persistent desire slash attempts to cut down control use. More time spent to obtain. Use. Recover from use. Larger amounts. Longer than intended. Persistent. What? I don't, I don't understand any of this stuff. Oh, the, the first one's about alcohol. This one's about cannabis. You know, I, I know I've talked a lot about in the past, um, you know, over the past couple of years using a bunch of marijuana. But, like, you know, I, I, it was mostly because of the my girlfriend at the time. Not to blame her or anything. It's as much my fault as it was hers. But we smoked a lot together. But before I met her, I took an entire year off of marijuana use. An entire year, you guys. Like, marijuana is not exactly a thing for me. Psychosocial and contextual factors. I'm going to read that just because, you know, <laughs> psychosocial, that's a cool word. Brad reported legal history involving theft, harassment, via telephone and fraud, and related activity in connection with computers. After accessing private databases from Albertson's company stores and prank phone calling customers and acting... Oh, yeah, you guys have heard all this. Okay, let's get rid of that. Next, we are up to April 26, 2018. Session information. So, you know how I told you... Okay, by the way, I, I you know, I'm not trying to say shit about the, the people that I... You know, the, at this counseling place. They were doing their jobs. They're good people. Like, I, I don't hate these people or anything. I think it's bullshit that I was there, but I'm not trying to say that these are shitty people. Like, the services they provide are fucking awesome. And a lot of people in those group sessions talked about how much the services had helped them. I can see how they would be very helpful to anyone that has a drug or alcohol addiction problem. So don't get the wrong idea with this show. I'm, I'm not trying to talk shit about these people. These are good people. They do a good thing for people that have issues. I just didn't belong there. I felt very out of place. Where was I going with that? Oh, here we go. Here's something new. Um, but what I'm trying to say here is that, um, okay, so the, the person who did my assessment at the very beginning and all that stuff that we just talked about, you know, when she told me I was going to have 12 weeks, I'm like, well, <laughs> why? I, like, I, I, I drank a, a little bit back in 2012, and I don't really drink that much today. I haven't used marijuana since last year, last November. And she's like, yeah, just talk to Maria. Uh, Maria is a fake name, not the real name. I'm not giving out any real names in this show. But in episode 10B, I referred to her as Maria. She's like, yeah, just talk to Maria. She's a really nice person. Maybe she will decide that you don't really need to be in there and she'll just let you go. But that was a bunch of bullshit because I found out months later that I was in there for forgetting to call that phone number and they weren't going to let me out. I was going to have to do the full 12 weeks and not only the full 12 weeks, but the, the full, you know, the other class. MRT class. So I feel like the person giving that assessment was not completely honest with me, or maybe she just didn't know. But okay, so we've got another page here. It's two pages long. Um, I can't figure out what this is exactly, though. It's, um, it's an individual plan review. I think I wasn't present for this, but this is two months later. This is in April of April 26, 2018. Individual review. Brad reported that he has social anxiety and feels uncomfortable in group settings. Brad shared that he has been attempting to locate a social... Oh, okay, I know what this is. Attempting to locate a social anxiety group to help with his social settings. Brad has minimally engaged in the group and stated this was due to social anxiety. No, it's, it's not that bad. Yes, I'm a fucking weirdo, you guys. I'm not arguing with that. And I do have social anxiety issues like anyone else. When I have to pass someone on the sidewalk, oh my god, it's the worst. But no, I'm fine. Like, I don't belong there is the problem. I'm not with my people. 
I'm in a class full of people who have used meth and have a bunch of DUIs and stuff. That's what I was trying to say to her, but she, I don't know. She's just taking bits and pieces of what I was saying. Brad discussed his experiences with human connection and was unable to speak about wow or where he has felt connections with people. I got to Google another acronym. Connections. Wow. Wow, connections. Here we go. Oh, wait, no, this is some dating site. Never mind. World of Warcraft connections. Disturbing connections from World of Warcraft. What the fuck does WOW mean? I don't know. It's another stupid acronym. But I think what she could be referring to is... She was trying... No, no, that's not this one. There's this other weird thing with emotions that comes up later. Brad reported date of last use of cannabis is November of 2017. And alcohol a week or two before I started these classes. You know, I'm such an alcoholic. I hadn't drank for a week or two before the classes. Oh, yeah, this is a whole thing. Fuck. Okay, man, this is going to this show is going to be a fuck job to edit. You guys, that's what this show is going to be. So back in April, at the beginning of every group, you have to um, just talk about, you know, your highs for the week, your lows for the week. You know what you've been happy about, what you've been sad about. And what your last date of use was, what your drug of choice is sometimes. Man, I should have started with the group stuff. That's a lot more entertaining than all of this. I hope you guys haven't tuned out yet. But, you know, I don't keep track of that stuff. So, um, like, my last date of use was February of 2017. That's when I had my thing. You know, that was the date on those previous papers. But I guess in my MRT class, my second class, my second group... I reported my last date of use as March of 2018, not February. So we had a meeting, me and primary counselor lady. And she says, that's weird. You told me February. Now you're telling this guy March. That's pretty much reporting yourself for using after you said you weren't using anymore. And that means you're going to start this entire program over. We're going to reset your 12 weeks. You're going to start back from the beginning because you've been using So that really sucked when I heard that. I thought I was going to have to start over. You know, I've been doing everything I've been told to do in the group. I've been participating. I've been sharing a bunch of stuff with other people that I don't know. And my reward for all of that is I have to start all over. So that's what this paperwork is about. Um, Brad was asked about the date of last use in the MRT group. And he he self-reported use in March of 2018. After being asked about this, Brad reported that he did not drink in March and must have messed up the dates. Brad stated that he has not been experiencing any withdrawal symptoms. So they brought me in for a meeting because of this. And then they had to have meetings with each other to decide whether or not to restart me in the group. And luckily, they finally decided not to. Brad reported no changes to his medical and reported no concerns or issues. Brad shared that he has been experiencing social anxiety in the group settings, although it's nothing new for him. And by that, I like I I feel like almost like this is being exaggerated because I'm just like a weird, awkward person in general in real life. Big surprise there. But I'm fine with it. I mean, I've been enjoying these groups. I've made friends with these people. I see them out in public all the time. We like, you know, catch up with each other. It's great. Uh, Stage of change. Brad shared that he can't return to cannabis for five years as part of his probation agreement and reported he feels like he gets more done since discontinuing use, which is true. Brad shared that he feels like he may return to drinking when he has completed treatment. Oh, no, I'm definitely returning to drinking. I'm drinking right now, you guys. I'm having a Yosemite Road Chardonnay bottle of wine tonight because you know what? I'm an adult and that's okay. 
It's fine to drink when you're an adult. You probably shouldn't drink too much, and I don't feel like I drink too much, but I'm having a bottle of wine while I read over these documents because that's kind of ironic, right? It's good for the comedy aspect of this, drinking while I go over my drug and alcohol review papers. Brad appears to be in the pre-contemplation stage of change as he has reported he has no idea why he's here and stated he has no problem with alcohol or drugs and does not feel like he has ever had a problem with drug or alcohol or ever will, (laughs) as I slur all my words. Brad reported he was triggered by being around his girlfriend's use of cannabis and would usually have a beer with dinner. Brad shared he has not been experiencing triggers lately and he has been working when he can, spending time contemplating his community service and coming to group sessions. Brad has not yet worked toward achieving his treatment plan goals. Brad was asked if he wanted to achieve anything during his treatment, to which he stated he just wants to complete successfully. And by the way, that's what everyone in that class says. I just want to finish this class and be done with it. Brad and this writer spoke about Brad's experiences with feelings, making connections with people. Brad was unable to speak about how he has made connections and spoke to feeling loneliness in the past. What? No, I haven't. I never said anything even close to that. I, I'm pretty sure, like, what what could that possibly be? I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Maybe they specifically asked me, have you ever felt lonely? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, yeah, this is the thing I was thinking about earlier. Uh, Brad Charity currently has no social support aside from a few online friends and his two kids. Brad's treatment plan was modified to explore feelings and where he has felt them in his body. Man, I wish I could find that paper for you guys. But yeah, that's pretty much true. Um, you know, I, I've just like every, every, the past two and a half years of my life have been with my previous girlfriend and we broke up back in November. I stopped hanging around with all my other friends and my other friends, you know, they, they all got busy with things and moved away. And yeah, I don't have a lot of people around here these days, but I'm fine with that. I'm just concentrating on my show. I still have friends around here. I just don't hang around with them that much. Oh, and there's a thing on here about a pending staffing decision due to potential self-reported use while in treatment. They had to have an actual meeting about me and decide if I would have to start my classes over again. Oh man, there's more of these. Like, I just want to get to the group stuff because that's where all the lols were. Let's let's just skip all of this stuff. Okay, well, no, no. There's only a few pages left. Here's another session thing that we did in October earlier this month. Brad presented in the contemplating stage of change Oh, yeah. The the thing she said about me not being able to identify emotions or something, explore feelings and where he's felt them in the body. Like, I didn't understand what she was asking me. Apparently, um, you know, the head, the heart and the gut. I had to look this up on Google because I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about because I'm not a counselor. But she asked me, you know, like, do you understand feelings and where you feel them in the body? I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And she wouldn't tell me. I had to figure it out myself or something. But yeah, I looked it up on Google. I'm like, where do you feel feelings? And, you know, the, the, the different types of feelings that you feel, the head, the heart, the gut, gut feelings, all that stuff. I was instructed to research where you feel feelings, how you feel feelings, however you would say that and present it to the class, but I ended up graduating the class unexpectedly. I didn't know my 12 weeks was up, so I never got around to that, thank God. So just in case she asked for it later, I actually did some homework for her. I had to identify three coping skills I could use in place of substances if substance abuse was an issue for me. And (laughs) I just, number one, chatting with friends and family. Number two, watching Netflix, playing video games. Number three, hiking and biking. 
and then research on feelings and where they are felt in the body. Write down feelings I have felt in the past. And I'll just read the last one. The first two, I, like really, they're just boring. Don't worry about it. It's not because it's personal or anything. It's just boring. But number three, thinking with your gut is a feeling of intuition where you might make a decision based on something you don't understand rather than logic or emotion. My gut tells me to be wary of a person who is forcing me to prove that I have feelings. I had that paper folded up in my pocket. On Google Docs, it's labeled as stupid bullshit homework. But she didn't ask for it, so I didn't give it to her. But I swear, you guys, I have feelings. I really do. Believe it or not. I know you guys think I'm a robot. All right. Did I even start this one yet? Um, uh, 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 okay. This is the uh, August. Th- this is like the, the second to last meeting I ever had with this person, my primary counselor. Brad presented in the contemplating stage of change at time of assessment. Brad reported that he does not have intentions to return to smoking cannabis and has intentions to return drinking, return to drinking alcohol when he completes treatment, which look at that. I, I stuck to my guns there. I'm, I'm drinking a bottle of Yosemite. Yosemite. Is that how you pronounce it? Like Neon told me. Chardonnay. It's almost gone. Return to drinking alcohol when he completes treatment. Brad appears to be in the pre-contemplation stage of change as evidenced by his reported intentions to return to use. The individual is not yet considering change or is unwilling or unable to change because there's nothing to change. I've never had a DUI. I'm not using meth. I've never even tried real drugs, you guys. Did I mention that before? I've smoked marijuana mostly when it was legal in Oregon. Like, most of my marijuana use happened after they legalized it here in my state. So that automatically means it's not a bad thing, right? Brad reported that his triggers include enjoying a beer with dinner and relationships. <laughs> relationships are a trigger for alcohol and marijuana abuse. Which is true. If my girlfriend is smoking marijuana and drinking a bunch of beer, I may be inclined to join her. I actually try to stay away from people that are really into marijuana and really into beer. Brad reported that he would smoke with his girlfriend at the time, although they are no longer together. Brad stated he does not want to be with someone who is 420 friendly, in quotes. Uh, personal stuff, personal stuff. You guys don't want to hear this, right? Bunch of personal stuff. Brad reported no change of his living or income at the time of a review. No modifications at this time. Brad is still working toward completion of his MRT group. And that's pretty much the end of that paperwork. Tell me this is, oh God, there's another one. All right, we're going to get through this real quick, and then we're going to start the group notes. And that's the fun stuff. I doubt any of you have made it this far. Uh, This is my discharge papers, paperwork. Cool. I wasn't sure if I got this or not, but apparently I did. Diagnosis at entry, mild alcohol use disorder. It's a disorder that I drink. Also, moderate cannabis use disorder. I would say that I smoked a lot more cannabis than I used alcohol. I think they got those backwards. Oh, wait, no. Mild alcohol, moderate. I can't. Okay, yeah. Or maybe that's fine. Mild alcohol use disorder in early remission. Moderate cannabis use disorder in early remission. Brad reported no withdrawals throughout treatment at time of discharge. UAs are provided as follows. UAs means urine analysis. I had to take so many pee tests over the past six months. At least one per week, sometimes a couple per week. And not only did I have to take pee tests, they have to watch me pee because they want to make sure I don't cheat, which I suppose is a valid concern because some people in group talked about cheating on their UAs in the past, but now they're taking the program seriously. They're not going to do that anymore. They're just being honest. Brad reported that he's looking forward to going on vacation. By the time I put this out, I should actually be on vacation. 
Brad reported no mental health concerns at time of discharge. Brad presented in the contemplating stage of change at time assessment. I don't even know what that means. Brad reported he does not have intentions to return to smoking cannabis and does have intentions to return to drinking alcohol when he completes treatment. Brad appears to be in the pre-contemplation stage of change as evidenced by his reported intentions to return to use. The individual is not yet considering change or is unwilling or unable to change. We already read this somewhere. She's just copy and pasting. And the reason I'm not going to be changing is because what's the problem? There's no problem here. I don't even drink that much. You know, I told this lady that once my five years is up, four years now, that I probably won't even return to smoking cannabis. Marijuana, I mean. They keep writing cannabis on here. And she tried to say, oh, sure you will. You know, lots of old people do. Something like that. She tried to argue with me. She tried to say, yeah, you'll, you'll probably go ahead and keep smoking, right? Maybe just trying to get me to admit something so she'd have something to write in her report. Oh, shit. I, I just, okay, here's a new thing that I've never seen before. We recommend evaluation of the following should the client ever return to treatment. That's a section on this paper. And it says extended stay or higher level of care pending assessment. That's what they recommend. I need an extended stay. You know, I bet you I'm going to end up back in this class for no reason at all. Problem prevention, wellness, recovery, referral, and recommendations. Their recommendation is that I should continue to spend time with my family and stay out of trouble. Wow, thanks for that. That's a good recommendation. You know, most of the people in that group, they had to pay for their own treatment. So I don't remember exactly what the numbers were. I went over this in episode 10B, but it was something like $50 per week like $50 for every session. And I don't have to pay for this stuff. It's all being paid for by the federal government. I looked into this place. It's um, funded by the federal government. I mean, partially funded by the federal government. It's like a state-run place, but it gets funding from the federal government. It also seems to get funding from marijuana tax. And it also gets funding by people like me who have to go to group And I think I figured out that I was paying $1,000. I think I said like $750 per, um, you know, class that I was in. So $750 times two. But it was probably more than that because um, all of these uh, drug tests that I had to take, all these P-tests, those can go for like $30 to $60 per P-test for some reason. That doesn't make sense at all that it costs that much. It's this little plastic container and there's these sensors on the container it tells you immediately if you've been using drugs or not but nope it's it's like 50 bucks per test for some reason oh and i wasn't allowed to drink as much water as i normally was like you know i'm not allowed to drink beer anymore because i'm in these fucking classes so of course i'm drinking water every single evening for dinner but if you drink too much water it dilutes your your urine tests and your urine test comes out more clear than yellow and that means you're a drug user and you're cheating the system. So I was discouraged from drinking water while I was in this class. The fuck am I supposed to drink? Can't have beer anymore. That's the sound of a bottle when it's hollow When you swallow it all, wallow and drown in your sorrow And tomorrow you're probably gonna wanna do it again What's a little spinal fluid between you and a friend? Screw it And what's a little bit of alcohol poisoning? And what's a little fight? Tomorrow you'll be boys again It's your life, live it however you wanna Marijuana is everywhere, where was you brought up? It don't matter as long as you get where you're going Cause none of this shit's gonna mean shit where we're going They tell you to stop, but you just sit there ignoring Even though you wake up feeling like shit every morning But 
you're young, you got a lot of drugs to do Girls to screw, parties to crash, sucks to be you If I could take it all back now, I wouldn't I would've did more shit than people said that I shouldn't But I'm all grown up now and upgraded and graduated The better drugs and updated But I still got a lot of growing up to do I still got a whole lot of throwing up to spew But when it's all said and done, I'll be 40 before I know it With a 40 on a porch telling stories With a bottle of Jack, two grandkids in my lap Babysitting for Haley, while Haley's out getting smashed Every time I go to try to leave Some keeps pulling on my sleeve I don't wanna, but I gotta stay These drugs really got a hold of me Cause every time I try to tell them no They won't let me ever let them go I'm a sucker, all I gotta say These drugs really got a hold of me all right, so now we're past the one-on-one evaluation notes and my assessment notes and my discharge notes, and we're into the group notes, and that's where the good stuff is. Hopefully you've made it this far. This is where the bulk of the paperwork is, but this will go much faster because it's just like a little bitty, you know, a couple lines of text for each page, every couple pages, I mean. So like in my very first group session for my drug and alcohol class, it goes over what the group... Uh, talked about and I don't know if I should share that I mean it's pretty boring anyway it's just you know basic stuff but there's a confidentiality thing I don't want to violate any hip acts or anything so I'm gonna skip that part because it's it doesn't even matter I'm just gonna go to what they said about me because that's what the show is all about is me I started out with this one counselor um, I referred to her as Maria on episode 10b that's not her real name so Maria's first note for me for my very first group on February 21st, 2018, from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., two hours a fucking week in this class, says this is Brad's first group, but he would not admit to any use to the group. However, his assessment says otherwise. That's it. And, and like it was like, um, you know, they asked what I was in there for. And I try to explain my computer hacking charges, which was weird enough. You know, people are like, what the fuck? Who's this guy? I think you can get a better rundown of, um, you know, what happened in that first class from episode 10B of Brad's Cactus Shack. Because I went into it in more detail back then. And I remember more of it back then. And I have not listened to that episode since then. So maybe you should just go back and listen to that. But I said I was in there for computer hacking. I don't even use drugs. What am I doing in here? I'm pretty much dead weight is what I said. So that was my first class. That's what she said about me. I would not admit to any use. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if they asked me, I said I, I drank beer occasionally. Yeah, we had to say like when our last use date was and what our alcohol, what our drug of choice was. And I remember saying beer. I had a beer the month that I came here and people had... Be like, oh, you, you, you monster or whatever. Uh, session two, we watched a video. She wasn't even there on session two. So some substitute teacher was there and he made us watch a video about addiction. Session three, Brad told the group of his hacking into a system and a group he is with that pulls pranks via computer hacking and how he got a federal felony from it. And every single time this group leader person this counselor would ask me about it. She would start throwing out examples of why computer hacking is bad. And she would be like, how would you guys feel if Brad hacked into your UA results, you know, your P-test results, and made it so your P-test results were positive instead of negative? Every single time, like three or four different times, she would always ask me to tell the group what I had done and get a big laugh out of the whole thing because the entire group thought it was hilarious that I was there at all. And then she didn't like that I was getting such a positive response 
So she would say, well, how would you feel if Brad hacked your UA results? And I don't think I ever really spoke up about that. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that. That's not like, why would I do that? I'm not an asshole. All right. Third group. Brad was a silent observer tonight. That's all it says about me. And the thing about these classes is, you know, they go around and they do the group session and all of these people are in there for a reason. They've all had, you know, they all use meth or they've had DUIs. They have serious drug use problems that need to be talked about. So they go around the class and like sometimes they didn't even get to me. They just talked to other people and they only got halfway around the circle, you know. So Brad was a silent observer tonight. That means that um, they didn't get to me. I just kind of sat there and listened to really sad stories about people who use meth and how it ruined their lives. Session number four on March 21st, 2018. This is the first one that I think is pretty amusing. Bradley continues to minimize the critical nature of his federal charges from hacking into a system and gets some group support for that position, which means she... Like, she would always push me to tell, you know, to talk about, like, all these other people in the class, they got to tell stories, like, sad stories about their drug use and how it fucked up their families and everything, and I didn't have anything like that. So she would just force me to to talk about all the ridiculous shit that I did to people in these prank calls, and, of course, that would get a huge laugh out of the class. I told quite a few class members about my podcast. I gave them business cards. I keep those in my, um, in, in, like, in my phone case all the time, my cell phone case. I'm like, oh, yeah, you should listen. Here, here's a card. It has the URL on it. The class thought it was hilarious that there was a guy in there for computer hacking and prank calls. And then, of course, she would start to bring up the same thing that she always does. Well, what if Brad hacked your UA results and caused you to get sent back to prison? Because that's the sort of thing Brad would do. Uh, the next group says uh, was a silent observer tonight. That's all it says. In the next one, there is nothing written. It just says it has a period instead of anything. Oh, and that's for my new class. By April 3rd, 2018, I was in that second class, the MRT class. And maybe I didn't get to speak in that first MRT class. And oh, wait, no. On the second page, it says Bradley shared that his low was dealing with taxes. You know, I was doing my taxes that week. April 3rd, and my high was hanging out with friends in Portland. Bradley was asked to read the first 38 pages of his workbook and work on step one. That was my first night in that class. By the way, the friends that I hung out with in Portland were uh, Olga and King Richard. Apparently, we hung out that week together. It's right here in, in my documents. And then in my other class, which was the very next night, Brad stated that his highlight for the week was getting to spend time with friends in Portland. Thank you, Olga and King Richard. Brad's three facts. Okay, so the lady that I had before in the drug and alcohol class, she disappeared. She went away. If you listen to episode 10B, you might have kind of an idea of why she went away. The whole sucks debacle, maybe. I don't know. That got brought up quite a bit in future classes, by the way, about how unprofessional that was. So now I'm with a new counselor completely different person. Brad stated that his highlight for the week was getting to spend time with friends in Portland. Brad's three facts are that he has two kids. He's lived in Albany for four years. What? It hasn't been four years. It's been 12 years. Why would she write four years? Oh my god, her notes suck. It was her first night there though, so give her a break. And that he has a cat named Bernadette. Where the fuck did four years come from? It would be 12 or 13 years. Where did four come from? Maybe like for four years. You know, F-O-R, F-O-U-R, 
She got confused. It's okay. I probably mumble a lot when I talk. You know me and those social anxiety issues. Brad was asked what type of structure he would like to see in the group in order to benefit from the experience. To which Brad stated he did not care. That's awesome. Because it's true. Like, I don't care. I'm just trying to get through the class. I'm just trying to do my thing, do what I'm supposed to do here, and get through the fucking class. So um, that new counselor, she was present the week before when Maria, um, you know, brought up my hacking charges again and was like, eh, what if you hacked the UA results? Because that's the kind of thing you would do. That's what hackers do. They hack UA results and get everyone thrown in prison because you're a hacker. So this new counselor, she was sitting in for that session and she got to hear that. And I don't even know why I'm saying this. Oh, the reason I'm saying that is because the classwork kind of changes. Um, you know, tell us three random things about you. And once again, I am not trying to talk shit about this new counselor. She is a very nice person. She did a great job there and everything. But she ran our group thing like we were in summer camp or something. The first night she was there, tell us three random things about you. And I told her those three random things. I have a cat named Bernadette. God damn it. And in future, um, you know, sessions, um, I don't know, like, like seriously, it's summer camp. You guys think summer camp when you're 13 years old. I've never been to summer camp, so I don't know. But I'm just guessing this is what it's like. But she's like, if you were stuck on a desert island, what thing would you want to bring with you? And, and it's like a game of telephone or whatever. You have to, like, keep adding to the list from what the previous person added on the list. I would bring my boat. Oh, I would bring my boat and my tent. Oh, I would bring my boat and my tent and my MP3 player. It was fucking stupid. I mean, like, sorry, it's, it's just not my thing. I'm old enough to know by now that I'm not going to get stranded on a desert island. So that's what that group turned into after Maria left. Mrs. Maria sucks. Not my words. Somebody else's words. Bradley shared with the group that he had a good week and he would present his pyramid next week. Oh, you guys know about the pyramid from the PLA show the six months of sobriety show where i presented my pyramid session number whatever i don't know april 11th brad hung out with his daughter this weekend he's looking forward to seeing her again the next weekend brad stated he is grateful for family brad did not engage much during group and when called upon stated that he agreed with everything that was being said i could see me doing that in fact i did that the other day um i i don't want to talk about what setting it was in but somebody came up and said something really incredibly stupid and I just agreed with her. I'm like, I agree with her. I agree with everything that that girl right there is saying. I was just trying to be supportive. So I don't remember this particular incident, but that sounds like something I would say. I agree with everything that is currently being said right now. Because you guys, I, I don't know how to react to these groups. It's drug counseling. It's drug and alcohol abuse counseling. I'm not a drug and alcohol abuser. What am I supposed to say? Next notes. Bradley stated that his abstinence date was... March of 2018. Oh, here's the March of 2018 debacle where I have to reset all of my groups. Start them all over again. He has no lows. His high was that he got to hang out with his kids and go to the movies. What did we see on April 17th? What was out? Probably that stupid fucking Jumanji movie. The new one, the remake. I bet you that was it. I don't think that was too much of a high, was it? That I got to see Jumanji? He is present, alert, aware, and engaged. Mark presented and passed step one tonight. What? Mark? Who the fuck is Mark? I swear to you guys. Okay, I'm making up the name. I don't want to give away any group stuff, but there is somebody else's name in my paperwork. Mark presented and passed step one tonight. That's how professional this place is. They're putting somebody else's 
notes onto my page. Congratulations, Mark, on passing step one. I don't even know who the fuck Mark is. I don't recognize this name. I don't remember him being in our class. Is this even somebody from my own class? I don't think it is. I think somebody doesn't know how to copy and paste properly. Man, there's so many papers here still. It's going quickly now, okay, you guys? Uh, According to the recording, I have been doing this for exactly one hour and 59 minutes. I am sure I'm going to be doing a lot of editing on this show. I'm going to try and get it down to a listenable amount of minutes. Because who wants to hear all of this? Anyway, those notes were from that MRT class. That wasn't from the new counselor. Uh, Here's one from uh, class number one, the drug and alcohol counseling class. Brad shared he has no highs or lows for the week, and he is just living life. Brad initially stated he did not have an answer to the question and later reported, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, you remember the, the camping thing, or no, I mean the desert island thing, what do you want on a desert island, you know, the stupid fucking summer camp questions, uh, if you could invent something that would solve a major world problem, what would you invent? And I think somebody stole whatever I had thought of, so here's what it says. Brad initially stated he did not have an answer to the question. That's because somebody stole my my answer. I'm like, I don't know. She stole it from me. I pointed at her. I'm like, she stole it from me. That's what I said in the class. I can't remember what her idea was, but some girl stole it from me. But he later reported that his invention would be a kitchen robot that cooks for him. Because I don't want to cook. I want a robot that cooks for me. That, that's why I go to McDonald's and stuff. You know, that's the best thing I could think of. Like, I, everyone else was coming up with stupid fucking inventions. So I did too. I want a kitchen robot that cooks things for me. And then here's the good juicy part. Brad remains to be very disengaged in group as he stares at the ground until called upon and gives minimal answers such as, yeah, whatever, and yep, I agree. That's the kind of person I am when they put me in a class for drug and alcohol abuse. All right, next paper, uh, the MRT class, moral whatever therapy. My high for the week was being able to hang out with my kids as usual. Oh, wait, no, it's probably the same week as the previous thing. No lows to speak of. Like, everybody in the class, they just had the shittiest of lows. And my lows were more like, uh, yeah, I had to do my taxes this week. That was a bummer. I don't like doing my taxes. So, no lows to speak of committing to doing step one testimony next week. I've already done my damn triangle in the workbook that we have to do every week. Uh, Drug and alcohol class. Brad stated that he feels values serve as a moral compass. That sounds like I was just like, yep, I agree with that one. What you said makes sense. Put me down for that. Brad participated in the activity, however, remained quiet. And when called upon, was minimal in his responses. What do they expect me to say? I'm in a drug and alcohol abuse class. May 1st, 2018, Bradley shared his low as, I might have to start the program over again. And his high as, I am working out more during the week. Working out more? Like at the gym? Or working more during the week. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Presented his first step testimony, and he passed. We'll commit to present step two next week. I had to give a, uh, I don't know, like a five or ten minute speech in front of the class, acknowledging that I have broken laws, and I have a serious drug and alcohol abuse problem. No, not that exactly. But, you know, like I I had to give a, a speech in front of the class, tell them how sorry I am. And how my crimes against humanity have affected other people, family, stuff like that. That was fun. And then I had to leave the room and let them judge me and decide whether or not I passed that step. That was fun. They left me out there for a really long time while they decided whether or not I passed that step. Like longer than anyone else had 
had to be out there as far as I can remember. Because, you know, I saw a lot of people do that step. But I think I was out there longer than anyone else. All right, drug and alcohol class. Bradley appears to be more engaged during the small group activity. Bradley discussed why he is presenting to the agency and his plans to return to use after his probation is lifted. I don't remember any of that, but I'm guessing she asked if I would continue to drink after the the after the program was over. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm an adult in my 40s. Why wouldn't I have a beer every once in a while? Uh, there's a boring one. You guys don't want to hear that. Class number one, Brad shared he was very excited that this was his last group and stated he could not identify with family patterns because he is adopted. Brad stated he does not know his family background, but his adoptive parents have always been loving and caring. Brad appeared to open more with the group and gave feedback to another group member about how he lost his mother eight years ago. No, eight years ago. What the fuck are you talking about, lady? And how he addressed her loss. This guy had just lost his mother, like, you know, within the past month. And I was offering condolences and stuff because my mom died one year ago, not eight years ago. What the hell is she talking about? All right. Other group. Brad can committed to present his second step next week. They keep calling me Bradley. They call me Brad in class. Why can't they just call me Brad in the paperwork? Bradley presented step two, shield and mask, and passed. Committed to step three next week. I have my workbook here. Um, like the pyramid is the pyramid of life. That was step one, part of step one. I have to do this pyramid that explains where my life has gone and where I would like it to go. And this is explained more in the six month sobriety special show that I did on Monday. I really don't want to. No, like this show is so long. I'm not going to go over my workbook. I have my workbook right here. I'm flipping through it. But after my pyramid, I had to present a shield and a mask. More drawings. Like, we're not allowed to use any words in this thing. We're only allowed to draw pictures. We're only allowed to use pencils. In space number one, draw something important from your past. I drew that, um, you know, like all my traveling from the past back in the early 90s. I really enjoyed traveling. I wish I'd done more traveling. Space number two, draw something that you do well. This is all in the shape of a shield. There's some sort of a reason for that. I don't want to read all this shit, but I drew a picture of the frame of a house because I like building things. Something that you enjoy doing. In space number three, I drew a picture of a television with Grand Theft Auto on it. Number four, something you hope to be in the future. I drew a picture of sheet music with a bunch of notes on it because I would really like to make more music. And then there's a life wheel. I'm not going to go over all of this stuff. Oh, but number six. Um, I'll just go over number six. Draw a picture of something that you've always wanted to do. I drew a picture of a hot air balloon flying through the sky. Because that's the kind of stuff that other people put on their things. They want to go skydiving or ziplining or fly an airplane or go in a hot air balloon. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll just say I want to go in a hot air balloon. Really, I don't have any goals. I don't give a shit. I'd be content to just sit here in my house and make podcasts for the rest of my life. That sounds like a great time to me. But what am I going to do? Do a picture of what I'm currently doing? So, yeah, Bradley presented step two, shield and mask, and he passed. I had to go out of the room again and let people uh, vote whether or not I passed, whether or not I was sincere enough in my presentation. Uh, next one, no lows to speak of, presenting step three next week. Oh, yeah, I'm done with the first class, so this is all just MRT class for the rest of this. And that probably means that this is the end of the hilarious notes. 
because the the MRT counselor he he doesn't give a shit. He's just you know there doing his thing. He's not going to write notes about. Oh, Bradley seems so disengaged. He just stares at the floor all day for those two hours where he's not talking. It's almost as if he's bored out of his mind listening to all these stories of people using meth. Bradley presented step three, passed, committed step four next week. No highs or lows for the week. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, let's just go through all of this as fast as possible. Man, this show's going to be so long. Brad reported an abstinence date of February 18th, 2018. No, I didn't. I wouldn't give an exact date because I don't know. I would have said February 2018. Maybe he misunderstood me. His high for the week was getting his community service done. By the way, you guys, I'm done with my community service. I've done my entire 250 hours required by the judge. It's all done. All finished. I had five years to do it. I did it in less than one. That was kind of fun. No lows to report. He had step five to present. Brad presented step five and did well passing all areas. Brad was asked to work on step six for next week. Let's see what step five was. Step four, the freedom ladder. <laughs> oh my god! Oh man, step four. I didn't see anything about me passing step four. Step four was um, categorizing my entire life, like how I spend every hour of every day, which is pretty much impossible. I wrote that I sleep for fifty-eight hours. Seven times eight, fifty-eight. Uh, that should be fifty-six, right? It looks like it was originally fifty-six, but I changed it to a fifty-eight. But here's the thing: I have insomnia issues, you guys. I like have a hard time sleeping every once in a while, and sometimes it really helps if I can just take some Nyquil or I can take a sleeping pill, just an over-the-counter sleeping pill from Seven Eleven. That helps me fall asleep instead of just lying there for five hours all night trying to fall asleep. It's very helpful. But guess what? When I'm in a drug and alcohol class, I can't take those sleeping pills because those would register,、um, I think, alcohol in my system. Maybe is that what it was? Yeah, I think that was it. Because Nyquil, alcohol. So these past six months, I've not gotten as much sleep as I should have. Because on average, maybe once a month, I would take some Nyquil or a sleeping pill to help me fall asleep. So I put 58 hours of sleep, I guess. 40 hours of work, 10 hours of interneting, 10 hours of watching TV. But you know that stuff kind of overlaps. 10 hours of playing video games. Not lately. I don't play that much video games in a week. Eight hours of community service. Seven hours of breakfast and lunch. Seven hours of driving to Portland and back. Five hours of preparing dinner. Five hours of eating dinner. Because we usually watch TV or a movie or whatever while we eat dinner. What are we going to talk to each other? Come on. Three hours of going to the gym. Two hours of MRT classes. One hour of MRT homework. So much homework in this class. Laundry, cleaning house. Yeah, who cares about all that stuff? Let's go to step five. Oh man, I had to categorize. Oh wait, no, that's still step four. Like that. That's just like a little tiny bit of step four. I had to categorize my entire life. Separate everything in my life into six categories: work, family, health, home, legal issues, and friends. And then I had to do subcategories. Here, let me count:、uh, three columns. How many lines? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight lines. Eight times three, twenty-four subcategories under each major life category. So here, I'll just give you an example under legal issues. My twenty-four subcategories are FBI raid, arrest, replacing my computer equipment, court, money. My attorney, monthly visits from my probation officer, home detention, paying fees, restitutions, daily phone calls. 
I had to make four calls a day to these automated systems to assure them that I was not on drugs and that I had not left the state. Tracking hours, tracking income, tracking expenses. They want to know everything about my life. Weekly UAs, weekly classes, homework, insomnia is a part of my legal issues because I'm not allowed to take NyQuil anymore or sleeping medications. I just have to lie there awake all night because I'm not allowed to take anything anymore. Narcotics Anonymous meetings. Oh, did I tell you guys about that? So not only do I have to spend two hours a week doing the drug and alcohol classes and two hours a week doing the MRT classes, I'm also required to find another class in the community. Any type of class, it doesn't matter what kind of class, as long as it's a class about abuse and addiction and stuff like that. So I asked in my drug and alcohol abuse class, can can it be an online class? Because I really don't want to go to another class. I'm going to two a week. I'm spending four hours away from my house with this stuff. Can I do an online class? She's like, sure. So I looked everywhere and somebody else in the class suggested the Narcotics Anonymous meetings online. This is so ridiculous. Uh, NAchatroom.org. They have daily meetings, uh, two or three a week. So besides my four hours spent in my two classes, I've also been spending a good 30 minutes or an hour on these Narcotics Anonymous meetings online. I had to report what I'd been doing in these Narcotics Anonymous meetings because that's something I need to be involved in. Narcotics Anonymous, crisis counseling, alcohol ban, and counseling. You know, there's like 24 subcategories for every category. I'm not going to read them all. That's boring. That was uh, another part of step four. Uh, Step five was the circle of relationships. Draw a picture that represents the biggest relationship problem in your life. I think I went over some of this on the uh, Six Months Sobriety show. Number six in the circle, draw a picture of something that you've always wanted to do with another person. I've always wanted to go camping. I wish I could go camping. I drew a picture of a tent with a campfire next to it because I want to go camping so bad. But I don't really want to go camping. I don't give a shit about camping. I've been camping before. It's not my thing. Best of time, worst of times, important relationships in my life. How I have damaged these relationships. I have to come up with eight people who my crimes have damaged. You know, people in my own personal life that I have damaged because of my crimes. Basically because of my drug use is what they're looking for. But since I don't use drugs, I pretty much, uh, I don't want to say I made up things, but I made up things. It's a bunch of bullshit in this chapter. Oh, and that's the step where I had to volunteer 10 hours of volunteer work. The place where I was doing my community service, I'm like, okay, so look, I'm going to um, you know, not do community service this week. Instead, I'm going to do volunteer work so I can get through this drug and alcohol addiction counseling class. So I set myself back by 10 hours. And in a later chapter, I had to do another 10 hours. So 20 hours of volunteer work that I had to do for this class. It was great. Man, I should read some of these chapters because... I don't know, like this chapter 24, you are no longer what you were. If you have successfully stepped up the freedom ladder out of injury, you will move to a most uncomfortable state called non-existence. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on and on. Let's stop reading that book. Let's look at some paperwork. I'm almost done with this. Two hours and 23 minutes. Hopefully, whatever timestamp you're looking at right now in this show is, is at least an hour less than that. I'm sorry if it's going on that long. I think this is going to be another B episode. I'm not going to make this a a real episode, am I? Brad committed to presenting step six next week. Yeah, I think all the good stuff is done with. 
Bradley presented Step 6 and passed, committed to Step 7, 8, and 9 next week. Brad presented Step 7, 8, and 9, passed, and committed to Step 10 next week. Brad committed to Step 10 next week. Oh, yeah, apparently I didn't do it. Yeah, I was just taking my time at that point. I was like, whatever. I don't mind being here. I'm just going to hang out, talk to these people. Brad presented Step 10 and passed and committed to Steps 11 and 12 next week, which were the last steps. Bradley presented Steps 11 and 12 and passed. Graduation from MRT last night. Woohoo! I'm done with this. All the paperwork's finished. Man, this wasn't as interesting as I was kind of hoping it was. I mean, there were a few bits of hilarity, but I really think I should just edit this entire show down to about 15 minutes where they wrote the funny things about me, where, like, I'm minimizing the seriousness of my federal crimes and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. I think that covers everything. I think they actually gave me everything. Like, the fun part was just getting it. Like, being in there today, everyone seemed kind of uncomfortable with me. They didn't want to give me the stuff. I kept having to say, well, what about this? What about this? And they would print more stuff. That was fun. I'm looking into my workbook, my action plan. Step seven. Oh, ten years to live. One year to live. Five years to live. What would I do if I only had one year to live? One year to live. I will continue living where I live. Number two, I will go camping with friends and family. Because you know me, I've always wanted to go camping. I really wish that I could just go camping. I want to go camping. And while I'm at it, I'm going to go skydiving and, and, you know, like, uh, ride in a hot air balloon. I'm going to do shit like that. Number six, I will eat lots of junk food. Number seven, I will get my finances in order. Number eight, I will join cancer support groups. Oh, yeah, one year to live. (laughs) Listen to this, you guys. You have one year to live, according to your doctor. He warned you not to make any rash, impulsive decisions, but suggested that you do whatever will make you happy this next year. He related that you probably won't experience any pain or discomfort this next year. Oh, the paragraph above that is the one where it says I have cancer. I have cancer, you guys. He said that you'll probably die suddenly a year from now when body organs simply cease functioning. Because that's how cancer works. It's not painful or anything. Your body just kind of shut down all of a sudden one day. And the doctor knows that you have exactly one year to live. That's how cancer works. And uh, like what I really like, like, so they give a a different um, example for each one of these five years to live. You've just returned from a visit with your doctor after running many tests and repeating them. She has determined that you have a disease that is incurable. The disease is very rare and there is no cure for it, nor will there be any cure in the foreseeable future. The disease gradually destroys the body's ability to assimilate the flexible protein into the walls of the circulatory system. At the stage where you currently have the disease, the doctor tells you that you won't notice any difference in your body, the way you feel, or the things that you can do during the next five years. You know, basically, you're just going to drop dead in exactly five years is what this is saying. I mean, I get it. It's part of the exercise. They're just like, what would you do for five years if you're going to die in exactly five years? But the examples are kind of stupid. Ten years to live. You've just returned from a visit to your doctor. This time it's a male doctor. He's determined that you have a disease that's incurable. The disease gradually destroys the body's ability to defend itself. From simple diseases like colds and simple infections, what is it, AIDS? At the stage where you currently have the disease, the doctor tells you that you won't notice any difference in your body or the things that you do for about the next 10 years. You will lead a normal life for 10 years because that's how diseases work. They don't do anything to you. You just drop dead in exactly 10 years. 
Then, however, you will die very suddenly from an infectious disease. Probably a cold or a simple infection. But, you know, it's not going to happen for 10 years. There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop this from happening. All that you have left is 10 years. That's in bold lettering. You are to decide the things that you want to do during those 10 years. And my answers are boring. I'm not going to read all of these. I just remember this one that I wrote. I will spend time with my kids and my grandkids. Hopefully I'll have grandkids within 10 years. I will take a ride in a self-driving car. I will join support groups for my rare condition. Number 13. I will make friends with this doctor who appears to be able to tell the future. So I can find out if he knows more things about the future that nobody else knows. Because he sure seems to have the ability to know when people are just going to suddenly drop dead 10 years from now of some bizarre disease that nobody's ever heard of. I could probably make some money off of this guy. That's how death works, you know? It's just like flipping a switch on and off. You know what? I think this doctor is like Dr. Kevorkian. I I think he's going to kill me. I think that's what this is really about. I don't think I have a rare disease at all. I think he's just going to hunt me down in about 10 years and kill me make it look like an accident i don't trust this fucking doctor one bit this doctor's full of shit i was gonna go to work but then i got high uh. Ooh, i just got a new promotion but i got high now i'm selling dope and i know why why hey because i got high because i got high because i got high la gonna go to court before I got high. Ooh, I was gonna pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wasn't. They took my whole paycheck, and I know why. Why, Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. All right, let's see. I think I think I'm done with this book. Okay, so the MRT book. It's called How to Escape Your Prison. I don't know if I mentioned that before. It's by uh, two different authors. It took two authors to write this book, Gregory R. Little and Kenneth D. Robinson. And I'm mentioning that because I got this letter from Spessa, my, my, my BFF Spessa. Um, she's in prison right now. She, she is in prison and she does enjoy drug use. And I mentioned to her, we, we write letters back and forth every once in a while. And let me see if I can find where it says in this letter, because she mentioned the MRT stuff somewhere. Where is it? Here it is. She says, oh, my God, you took MRT. That's the bullshit drug program you graduated from. They discontinued it here in prison where she is. But I did everyone step 11 for years. Oh, wait, let's see. Is step 11? Is that the one I just read? No, step 11 is the one where I have to list eight of the most important relationships in my life and explain exactly how I have damaged those relationships with my drug and alcohol abuse and list exactly how I'm going to fix those relationships that I've damaged with my drug and alcohol abuse. So I just took real problems in my life and exaggerated them. And then also it's a summary of the things that I learned from each step. You know, I just have to go through the book and write a couple of lines about every step in the book that I've just learned about. I have to redo one of the previous steps, several of the previous steps, in fact, the best of times, the worst of times, and my circle of relationships. That's just people in my life and stuff. Why did she have to complete that for everyone? All right, anyway, let me get back to Spess's letter. Uh, Where were we? Just recently, since they got rid of it, I got to read all the instructor documentation. And let me tell you, they are sure we're all sociopaths. 
their statistics show that like 80% of everyone in the criminal justice system has one of these three personality disorders, and it's practically hopeless for us to resolve this unless we systematically adhere to their fucking genius MRT reprogramming. It's our only fucking hope, brother. That's what Spessa says. Spessa's doing really great, you guys, by the way. She uh, she teaches like trigonometry and calculus or something. Like she's teaching all these classes in prison. She seems to be having a great time there. I guess that's why she keeps going back. The MRT program is heavily based on things the authors learned from Cleckley. Plus, this is what I've been... Re- okay, now that's a different thing. I don't know. Her Her stuff's all running together. Yeah, I guess that's all she has to say about MRT. I'll have to figure that out later. But that's funny that Spessa got to weigh in on the MRT program. I wonder if I could look online and find out anything about the MRT program. Here it is on Amazon. Oh, here's a PDF of it. I could just uh, pirate this book if I really wanted to. Here's a review. This is crap. I am horrified how this book is written. It's not the content. <laughs> it's not the content that can't be useful. It seems to go on and on about what a horrible person you are, how you've been horrible and manipulative since you were a child. Yes, it does do that. This book makes a lot of assumptions about your life. Uh, this is what the book says from the start. The essence of step one. If you can't do step one, it simply means you are not ready to change. It means you are dishonest and can't be trusted. It also means that you want to stay that way, for the only escape from disloyalty is to quit pretending and become for real. Step one is all about honesty. Yes, I remember that paragraph very well because we had to I had to hear people read that repeatedly in class. Step one is all about honesty. Okay, hold the frickin' phone. This is part of the review. This isn't me talking. Most of these choices that people make like this is based on f- in fear. Many of the people in this situation come from a place of trauma. Fear of the unknown. Success can be... Okay, I don't want to read all this. This is a really long review, and I'm having a hard time focusing on words for some reason. Here's another one. Absolute garbage. If I could give this no stars, I would. This book is absolute trash. Telling people how horrible they are and that they're liars? How does that help someone? I have my bachelor's in psychology, and I would never suggest to anyone that I know to read this junk. Please do not use this negative book. Oh, yeah. And the book, it has like um, pictures from prison all over it. You know, just uh, every every a couple pictures per chapter of just uh, people hanging out in prison, doing their thing in prison, like guards walking around in the hallways of prisons, ex- escorting prisoners. And then I noticed um, somewhere in the book, it's like these are all actors. These, these aren't actual pictures from prison. These are people we paid to act like prisoners and guards, which, yeah, I guess that's a good thing that they're not using actual prisoners and stuff from in their pictures. But I don't know. That seemed a little messed up for some reason. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's better. Yeah, that's probably better. What am I talking about? Anyway, I think I'm done with this episode. I've read all of my paperwork. I've gone over my workbook. I think I've gone over everything in my workbook. I mean, my workbook goes on and on. There's like a chapter 13 that I have not read yet because that's like after the class. If you want to keep studying and become a better person so that you won't lie and manipulate your way through life and use a bunch of drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. You know, this book is so lazy that it um, like a couple of the steps, they're exactly the same as previous steps, like exactly the same. There's one about trading places. If you could trade places with any person in the world, real or fictional, past or present, you know, dead people, whatever, who would it be with? And in step six, I wrote that I would trade places with Mark Twain. 
because he lived his life traveling and writing. He was a great storyteller. He was a good musician, and he seemed to have a great time, whatever he did. And then in step 10, it's the exact same step. And in that step, I wrote that I would like to trade places with Samuel Clemens because he wrote some really good books. He was a good storyteller, both on paper and in person. He traveled for a living. He's a pretty good musician, had a good family life. My counselor in the MRT class is like, wait, didn't you say him before? I'm like, oh, no. No, before I said Mark Twain. In this one, I said Samuel Clemens, you know, same person. Mark Twain's his pen name. Got a good laugh out of that one. But, you know, like it didn't say anywhere that you had to, like, redo it. It's not like anything has changed with me between step six and step ten. And no, I don't really want to become Mark Twain. It's just like the best I could do. Somebody that I, I read a lot of books by. So that sounds good to me. All right. Putting this book down. I'm done with this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I hope this has not bored the crap out of you. To be honest, I thought there'd be a lot more hilarity in those pages. And I'm still very suspicious. I think I'm going to look over that paperwork very closely and make sure that every single week was accounted for. Because I didn't miss a single week while I was in there. You know, I didn't skip any weeks or anything like that. They were so reluctant to give me my paperwork that I feel like there's got to be something in there that they didn't give me. I wish they would have let me look at the computer screen and and watch them select all of the paperwork. They assured me it's all there, though. I don't know why they would lie, other than they, they were, like, creeped the fuck out that I was even asking for it. But then again, why did she not just give it to me the day that I asked for it? Why did I have to wait for three days? Was it so that they could go through and make sure that it was all edited down? Take out all the really juicy stuff? Maybe mark a couple files as, don't give this one to Brad. Don't give this one to Brad or this one. Give him everything else so that he thinks he got everything, but leave these three out. Because really, why couldn't she just give them to me right then? All she had to do was highlight the document and hit the print button. It wouldn't have taken that long. I think that was on a Monday, and then I had to come back on Friday to retrieve all my paperwork. And I thought that's so they could print it out and it'd be ready for me. But nothing was ready for me. It took her quite a while to even, you know, get the printing started on Friday. So what was the wait about? I think I need to sort through my paperwork, put it in chronological order, and figure some shit out here. Anyway, that is the end of today's Brad's Cactus Shack. I hope you've enjoyed this one. It's definitely different than any other episode I've done. You got to give me that at least, right? Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to listen to episode 10B of Brad's Cactus Shack for the beginning of this giant mess, otherwise known as drug and alcohol counseling for six months of my life. Hopefully, the next episode of Brad's Cactus Shack will be much shorter. Hi there, little boys and girls. Today, we're going to learn how to poison squirrels. But first, I'd like you to meet my friend Bob. Say hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Bob's 30 and still lives with his mom. He don't got a job. Bob sits at home and smokes pot. But his 12-year-old brother looks up to him an awful lot. And Bob likes to hang out at the local waffle spot. And wait in the parking lot. The waitress is off the clock. When it's late and the lot gets dark. And fake like he walks his dog. Drag him in the woods and go straight to the chopping block. And even if they escaped and they got the cops The ladies would all be so afraid they would drop the charge Till one night, Mrs. Stacy went off the job When she felt someone grab her whole face and said not to talk But Stacy knew it was Bob and said knock it off But Bob wouldn't knock it off cause he's crazy and off his rocker Crazy good as Slim Shady is off the locker You couldn't even take him to Dre's to get Bob a doctor He grabbed Stacy by the leg as he chopped it off her And dropped him off in the lake for the cops to find her but ever since the day Stacy went off the wander, they never found her, and Bob still hangs at the waffle diner. And that's the story of Bob and his marijuana, and what it might do to you. So see if the squirrel's going to this past. See children's drugs are bad, and if you don't believe me, ask your dad. And if you don't believe him, ask your mom. She'll tell you how she does them all the time. So 
Cause it just maddened her My penis is the size of a peanut Have you seen it? Fuck no, you ain't seen it It's the size of a peanut <laughs> Speaking of peanuts You know what else is bad for squirrels? Ecstasy, it's the worst drug in the world If someone ever offers it to you Don't do it Kids, two hits will probably drain all your spinal fluid And spinal fluid is final You won't get it back So don't get attached It'll attack every bone in your back Meet Zach, 21 years old After hanging out with some friends at a frat party He gets bold and decides to try five When he's pried by five guys And peer pressure will win every time you try to fight it Suddenly, he starts to convulse And his pulse goes in a hyperdrive And his eyes roll back in his skull And his back starts to look like the McDonald's arches He's on Donald's carpet laying horizontal barfing And everyone in the apartment starts laughing at him Hey Adam, Zach is a jackass, look at him They took it too, so they think it's funny So they're laughing at basically nothing Except maybe wasting their money Meanwhile, Zach's in a coma The action is over and his back and his shoulders hunched up like he's practicing yoga And that's the story of Zach, the ecstasy maniac So don't even feed that, the squirrel's clapping See children drugs are murder And if you don't believe me, ask your dad And if you don't believe him, ask your mom She'll tell you how she does them all the time So kids say no to drugs So you don't act like everyone else does And there's really nothing else to say Drugs are just bad and And last but not least, one of the most humongous problems among young people today is fungus that grows from cow manure. They pick it out, wipe it off, bag it up, and you put it right in your mouth and chew it. Yum, yum. Then you start to see some dumb stuff, and everything slows down when you eat some of them. And sometimes you see things that aren't there. Like fat women in G-strings with orange hair. Mr. Shady, what's a G-string? It's yarn, Claire. Women stick them up their behinds, go out and wear them. And if you swallow too much of the magic mushrooms Whoops, did I say magic mushrooms? I meant fungus, your tongue gets all swollen up like a cow's tongue How come? Cause it comes from a cow's dump See, drugs are bad, it's a common fact But your mom and dad know that's all that I'm good at But don't be me, cause if you grow up and you go and don't deed You're gonna come for me, and I'ma have to grow a goatee And get a disguise and hide, cause it'll be my fault So don't do drugs and do exactly as I don't Cause I'm bad for you See, children, drugs are bad uh-huh. And if you don't believe me, ask your dad And if you don't believe him, ask your mom She'll tell you how she does them all the time So kids, say no to drugs say no. So you don't act like everyone else does like do. And there's really nothing else to say That's right. Drugs are just bad and good Come on.